She's the outcast of the outcast. She's at that well at noon in the middle of the day by herself. She, she risked her own safety. She risked heat stroke just to get water because more than likely, the rest of the people in the village have kind of said to hell with you. I want nothing to do with you. You go do that by yourself. And yet experience, upon experiencing the radical grace of God through Jesus, the woman said, you might have said to hell with me, but I don't want you to go to hell. You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast for Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California. So before we dive into John chapter 4 this morning, I have a confession to make. I'm not a big fan of practical sermons. I'm just not, right? I mean, you see the why and how should I tell others, and I know there are people here that when they hear how, they are looking, especially when it comes to evangelism, for the silver bullet, right? If I do it this way, then people will come to faith in Jesus. If you know anything about evangelism, there's a ton of different methods and curriculums and and ways to do it. And really, honestly, I've tried a lot of them, and and I've learned that many of them depend on on the person, depends on the conversation, depends on the context. And and so so if you use the wrong one, it could go horribly wrong, right? So what we're going to do this morning is when we get to the how part, we're going to be looking at what I believe are two different ways that, that we see in our text in which evangelism can be done. Is that, is that cool with you? Yeah, it's not a silver bullet, right? But it is a way evangelism can be done. Telling and sharing the good news of Jesus. That, that churchy's word is evangelism, right? So, so, so we're in John chapter 4. This is the longest dialogue in the New Testament between Jesus and another person. And, and it's not even, the, the woman's not even named. But, but it does tell us where they are. As the text opens up, it, it says that they're outside the village of Sychar. And we know that Sychar is near the piece of land that Jacob had been given to his son Joseph. But before we get too much further into this text, we have to give a little bit of context about exactly where we are. You see, the verses preceding these verses that are in our text says that he, Jesus, left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. And then it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Right? So you got Judea in the south, you got Galilee in the north, you got Samaria right smack dab in the middle. Now here's the deal. Jews and Samaritans didn't quite get along. I mean, we see that in the text, right? In fact, a lot of the Jews considered Samaritans like half-breeds and Mongols because because they were part Jewish and part Gentile. I mean, they they worshipped up in the mountains. They didn't worship the true God in the temple. In fact, they didn't like them so much that many times they would avoid going through Samaria altogether. In fact, if you were in the south and you were wanting to go up to the north, they would actually like cross the Jordan River, go outside of Samaria and come back in. It would kind of be like saying, hey, we're going to New Mexico this weekend, right? But we don't want to go through Arizona because them Arizonans are crazy. Now, before you get all, you know, hurt, my wife's in Arizona, so I know it full well. So anyway... So we're going to go up and we're going to go around and we're going to do nothing with Arizona, but yet the, the, the fastest way is straight through. But, but so Jesus had to go through Samaria, the text says. 
And so here he is in the middle of the day at noon, and the disciples, well, they're hungry. I mean, they've been traveling. Jesus is tired. He sits down, right? The disciples are like, dude, I'm starving, so I'm going to go into the village and get something to eat. I don't really want to talk to those people, but my stomach's growling, and so we're going to do this thing, right? And so it says, while Jesus is sitting there, this woman comes out to the well at noon. Now, how many of you really enjoy doing manual labor in the heat of the day? No. Much rather do it in the cool of the day. And, you know, so in fact, what would happen typically is that the ladies, sorry ladies, they were in charge of getting the water, so they'd go out in the morning, they would draw enough water for the day, and, and then they would go out. Now, this woman, I mean, she could have missed daylight savings, right? I mean, she could have just slept in, you know? She, she could have been like, you know, just, oh man, I forgot to get the water today, I'm going to go out and get some, right? I had some leftover from yesterday. Or it could be that she doesn't like people, or people don't like her. Of course, we find out from our text this morning that she's got a, a little bit of a past, right? A little bit of a reputation, maybe. You know, five husbands, the one that she's with now, not quite her husband. Not somebody that others, even though these are, you know, half-breed Samaritans, probably wanted to hang out with. And more than likely, that's why she's there at noon. Because people in the village have just written her off. Now, we also have to know that, that during this time, uh, you had the written law, and then you had the oral law, right? The written law is, is what we find in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, right? That's the, the, like the Ten Commandments. And then the oral law was kind of passed down, and it was basically man's way of filling in the blanks. Well, according to the oral law, it was extremely taboo for a man to be having a conversation with a woman that is not a relative. That's a big no-no. So you have this Samaritan woman who's an outcast of the outcast coming out to the well and Jesus engaging in conversation with her, right? But not just that. Just wait, folks, we're not done yet. Jesus says, I want some water. The woman says, you have what to draw with? Nothing. Thank you. Yeah, see, it wasn't rhetorical. Nothing to draw with. So, let's say Jesus was going to drink some water. What's he going to have to drink out of? Her, well, either his hands, right? Or he's going to have to drink out of what she's using. I mean, how many of you enjoy drinking out of strangers' cups? <laughs> and not just that, but, but to not only associate with this person might make Jesus unclean, but surely touching her stuff and drinking out of her water bottle would make him unclean because she, again, is the outcast of the outcast. But yet he, he, he decides to break all type of cultural and societal norms to have a conversation with this lady, with this woman. Why? Why did he waste his time talking with this sinner? Why did he waste his time talking with this outcast? With this person who's just this horrible past and reputation? Why would Jesus even waste his time on her? Because that's why he came. 
In fact, in the, another part of our gospel, Jesus actually says, I've come to call sinners to change the way they think and act, not to call people who think they have God's approval. As Paul says in our Romans text this morning, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. This demonstrates God's love for us. You see, Christ came for sinners. He, he came for outcasts. He, he came for broken. He, he came for people that think that they lost, the, their, the, they lost life's lottery, right? He, he, he came for people that don't feel they have any value. He came for you and for me. Because like it or not, if we're being honest, we fall into one or more of those categories. You see, in our, in our reality, our brokenness may not look like the woman's brokenness that was in Scripture. But we still are broken. We still are sinful. We still are in need of the living water that Christ is offering this woman. And that's why Christ came. He came to heal wounds, to make whole, to, to give value. He came so that through his life, death, and resurrection, we might be restored in our relationship with God and in our relationship with others. That we might be forgiven and given new life in a certain, eternal certitude. Did this woman at the well need to hear that her sins were forgiven? Did she need to hear that, that she had value? Did, it, did she need to hear and experience the radical love of God, the love that, that makes her whole? Yes, absolutely. Do you? Do you need to hear that? Do you need to experience that? I know I do. But how about the people where we live, learn, labor, laugh, and even worship? The people that we meet when we're walking down the street, the people that we meet each day. You know, the people in your neighborhood. Showing my age, aren't I, huh? Every person. Every person struggles with brokenness. Every person struggles with sin, and every person needs to hear and experience the good news of forgiveness, new life, and salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. All of us, amen? amen. Oh, but we're not done yet. That's the why. He came. That's the why he shared. That's the why she went back. But how? How are we supposed to share this good news? I mean, we are called as brothers and sisters in Christ to, to go and as we go to make disciples of all nations, to, to be his witness in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're called to share that good news of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? I mean, do we like, are we like Jesus' SWAT team, right? And you just kick in the door and you're like, you're going to hell unless you believe, right? Hands up in repentance. I mean, we can. It happened this week in my house. My little one was singing, Jesus is coming back one day. And my older one who likes to poke at his brother is like, yeah, well, there's no God. And my little one goes, yeah, well, then you're going to hell. <laughs> Did it work? 
I've done that to people. And let me tell you, it doesn't work. Maybe we should get a, a speaker and go stand on the corner and like, you know, preach to everybody who's driving by or, or make some signs and, and tell people that they need to believe in Jesus. Now, those are ways to do evangelism. They are. In fact, Isaiah 55 says, My word which comes from my mouth is like rain and snow. It'll come, it will not come back to me without results. It will accomplish whatever I want and achieve whatever I send it to do. And Paul says in Romans 10, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard of what Christ spoke. You got to remember, as Lutheran Christians, we confess in the third article that we cannot, by our own reason or understanding, come to Jesus. But it's the Holy Spirit who draws us by the gospel. It kind of gets us off the hook, right? We're to proclaim the gospel message, and the Holy Spirit does the work. So we could. We could stand on the street corner with a sign. We could stand on the street corner with a speaker. But are those the most effective ways to share the good news of Jesus? Probably not. Probably not. How then should we tell others about the Messiah who has come? Like I said, I, I believe the text shows us two different ways. One is the way Jesus did it. Jesus engaged a complete stranger, though she wasn't a stranger to him. He, he engaged a complete stranger in conversation. Just, hey, what's going on? How's it going? Hey, I'm kind of thirsty. You thirsty? Can I get something to drink? All right, cool. You know, there's a lot of, some needs going on. And, and when the opportunity presented itself, Jesus shared the good news. There is living water for you. And the woman was like, I'm receptive to this. I want to hear what this is more about this, right? And so Jesus then connected her with him. He, 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 he met this stranger had a conversation, an opportunity opened up to present the gospel, Jesus shared the gospel, which is himself, right? And, and the woman then wanted to know more, and she came to faith at that time. Now, is striking up a conversation with a complete stranger, having a conversation with them, connecting them to Jesus' work in our life when maybe the opportunity presents itself, and ultimately connecting them to Jesus a way to do evangelism? Absolutely it is. It's actually one of my favorite ways to do evangelism. I love talking to complete strangers, more so than people I know. And it's amazing how often Jesus comes up in the conversation, or at least an opportunity to talk about Jesus comes up in the conversation. But I do have to be honest with myself that I can't expect everyone to be as crazy and you know, lunatic as I am and talking to like random people. Nice shoes, right? I mean, honestly, how many of us really enjoy talking to complete strangers? Some do, absolutely, right? But how many of us are comfortable talking to complete strangers and if the opportunity presents itself, present the gospel? Maybe not as many of us, right? I mean, you're just being honest. But it is a way to do evangelism. So how else can we share the good news with others? Well, let's take a look at what our text says. In fact, in, in verse 28, we find that, that then the woman leaves her jar of water and goes back to the city, and she tells the people, come with me and meet a man who told me everything I've done. 
Could this be the Messiah? The people then left the city and went to meet Jesus. Upon being connected with Jesus, upon experiencing the gospel, the radical love of Jesus, the living water, the Messiah, this woman dropped all that she had and immediately went back to the town of people that she had a relationship with, the people that she knew every day, the people that she not just met, but probably had conversated with. And she said, hey, here's the deal. I want you to meet the man who changed my life. Come and see him. What happened? Well, our text says, many Samaritans in the city believed in Jesus because of the woman who said, he told me everything I've ever done. So the Samaritans went to Jesus. And they asked him to stay. He stayed in Samaria for two days. Many more Samaritans believed because of what Jesus said. They told the woman, our faith is no longer based on what you said, but we have heard him ourselves and we know that he really is the Savior of the world. Some people believe just by the woman saying, this is what Jesus did in my life. This is the difference he made. This is the transformation that happened. And some people were like, oh, that's kind of cool. Well, who is this Jesus guy? And she said, come and see. And then many more believed when they sat and they spent time with Jesus. The woman went to the people she knew, the people in her life, and simply invited them to come to the one who changed her forever. She, she didn't like sit at the well and just hoard her gift and be like, ha ha, this is awesome. I'm just going to stay here. No, she went back to town. But you know what the craziest part of this story, I mean, and there's a lot of crazy in this story. I mean, Jesus breaking societal norms and everything else. But the, the craziest part in the story, at least for me, is that she immediately went back to the town to share about what Jesus did in her life. Yet, though she had a relationship with him, do you think it was a good relationship? I mean, you remember, she's the outcast of the outcast. She's at that well at noon in the middle of the day by herself. She, she risked her own safety. She risked heat stroke just to get water because more than likely, the rest of the people in the village had kind of said to hell with you. I want nothing to do with you. You go do that by yourself. And yet, experience, upon experiencing the radical grace of God through Jesus, the woman said, you might have said to hell with me, but I don't want you to go to hell. And she rushed back to the village that she had been an outcast from, so much so she had to go to the, the well at noon and said, I want you to come and meet the one who changed my life. I'm going to guess that it was because she really realized in that moment that she was no better and no worse than they were. That her brokenness was her brokenness and it looked different than their brokenness, but they needed to hear and experience the radical love of Jesus as much as she did.
So my prayer for us as we leave this place is that God would open our eyes so that we would realize we are just as broken as others around us. Just as broken as the people that we experience where we live, learn, labor, and laugh. It just might look different than other people's. My prayer is that God would open our eyes to the many opportunities that He puts before us to, to share what Jesus has done in our lives. And embolden us, not just to, to share that with them, but to invite people to, to come and to see. And, and through that invitation, the Holy Spirit would, would work and the fruit of faith would be born and many would come to know the, the grace and the mercy, the forgiveness, the new life and the eternal certainty that has been freely given to all people through faith in Jesus. My prayer is that we wouldn't be a church that would just sit on Sunday and hear the good news and then hoard the grace, but rather we would drop everything and run to the people that we know, sometimes the people that we don't even like, and share with them the grace that we've experienced. And that God would get the glory in all of it, and that through that, we would learn more and more how much we are loved through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562 210 0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562-210-0463. We pray that you have a wonderful and blessed week.